early morning or late nights. You're here at the right place. Get started with us on the right note. With Houcher, Nicholas, Andrew and me, Vivi, on Radio Pals, The Sound of NUS. Welcome to Radio Pals, The Sound of NUS. You're tuned in to the right note here with me, Houcher. Nicholas, Vivi and Andrew who is unfortunately not here today because he's not feeling well. And on this week's episode, we have another special guest with us. Well, actually two. Say hello to electronic music producers, Irung and Joachim. Hello. Hello there. <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome to our studio. Yeah, it's a really nice place. Yeah, really fancy stuff we got here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice of you to see. <laughs> yeah, I love the CD collection. Yeah. It's really nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very cozy set we have hmm. here. It definitely today. is. Hmm. Okay, so let's get on with some introductions. So you, Iran goes by Falling Islands. His artist name is Falling Islands and Joaquin goes by ALU. Would you guys like to give our listeners a short introduction about yourself before we get into the questions? Okay, yeah, sure. Hi, um, my name is Irang. Um, my artist name is Falling Islands. Um, I've been producing electronic music for about 12 years now. And uh, yeah, a bunch of different names throughout the years, but Falling Islands is the one I settled on. It's kind of a long story of how I came to that name. It's something to do with a Lego thing and some... like. I don't have five hours, so I won't explain it now. So, yeah. Lego is in the building block. Yeah, the building block. Did you blocks. step on a Lego? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> painful. That's absolutely Several times. painful. Yeah, uh, to be precise, I stepped on a bionicle. Yeah, so... Yeah, okay. My style, I guess, if, if you, I was to, like, kind of put myself into a single genre... I wouldn't know how to do it because I really make everything. Like, I kind of make orchestral stuff sometimes. I make synth wave or, like, kind of retro 80s inspired stuff. I've been getting into funk and jazz stuff. Also, kind of partially thanks to my like, kind of my good friend, right, sitting right beside me here. Yeah, like jazz funk stuff. Just literally anything under the sun. Sometimes I do orchestral things. Yeah, depends on my mood and depends on, yeah, what I'm feeling that day. I kind of just put it down in the software and let the ideas flow. Cool, cool. What about you, Wakim? Hello, my name is Joachim. Uh, my producer name is ALU, and I've been producing since 2013. Obviously, under different names, we all have that phase when we release under our name, and then we release under some sort of name, and then we suck a lot. And then we come to an inflection point where, okay, we, we want to take that music seriously now, and we completely change our name because the stuff we made back then was kind of cursed. That's yeah. basically my story. <laughs> like, disavow it, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to revive that name, by the way, <laughs> yes. but uh, perhaps under another style. What I make usually is electronic jazz music, which is kind of just a fusion between electronic textures and sounds and uh, the harmonic language of jazz and all the stuff that comes with it including uh, all the memes too. So you guys mentioned like you're, you're doing like a whole lot of different genres, right? Yeah. So what kind of music do you listen to? Is it similar to what kind of music you guys produce or is it 
something completely off. Favorite track at the moment. I guess my tastes do they do dip into what I make. Like I obviously I do listen to music that is similar to the type of music that I make because it informs me, gives me ideas. Right. But that doesn't mean I don't listen out of it. I mean sometimes I find myself listening to Cambodian psychedelic rock. Sometimes I listen yeah. to Mongolian heavy metal. Depending on my mood, like, If I if I want like I don't know just a, a nice calming morning thing, I might put on like some uh, electronic death metal in the morning. Yeah, yeah, you know you know <laughs> okay. the vibe. Right? Yeah, so um, very calming yeah, indeed. I mean because uh, the thing about music. Uh, I think that's it's hard to find a one-to-one correlation between like I guess the things you're inspired by and the things that you are inspired to make because it's not always necessary that the thing you listen to will kind of have a kind of an exact correlation to what you're making it doesn't have to be the same right, style but true. you can listen to uh, a certain element in a certain piece like maybe the way the singer inflected kind of got you thinking about a way you could I don't know twist the synthesizer knob and all that it's not uh, the same thing but at the same time you could draw inspiration from that and that's kind of I guess it explains why like I, I listen to a lot of things sometimes yeah I, lo- I do listen to synthwave and all that kind of things but I also listen to genres that I don't necessarily make yeah Ooh, cool, hmm. cool. on my end I think well I do listen to a lot of kinds of music although probably not on his level <laughs> I don't know I wish I had a wider taste music than I thought I than I have right now but the nice thing that uh, one of the ways I try to widen my horizons is through looking at meme culture because oh, it is absolutely it is a, it's a treasure trove of media. It's also how I got introduced to vi- video game music. So there's a lot of people who love VGM and uh, there's entire culture made out of that, for example, Undertale, right? The main stuff I listen to is a lot of close to what I make or peripheral to what I make. So kind of sometimes I put on Sarah Vaughan, John Coltrane, or I would put on Dorian Concept, Madion. Porter Robinson. Hey, nice. hey, hey I, lo- I love those guys, man. <laughs> I think the first uh, artist that I ever listened to, or actually ever, was Dead Mouse. Hey. Back in like 2009, my parents' car and put like a cassette tape on with an illegally recorded uh, oh, version. No. Hey, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I put, a, you know, you put the cut there. I, I yeah. put a I put a cassette tape on with the Dead Mouse's uh, track and. Uh, we played in the car, and then they'd be wondered why I like this kind of music. And then four years later, I'd start uh, making stuff. I started a progressive house and uh, completely changed styles yeah. in 2016. Hence, I, the reason why I changed my name. Do, do you remember um, the song that it was? Do you remember the song that you were playing in the car? Um, I think it was Strobe. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah that's where everyone starts. So classic, absolute classic. Yeah, you know. Just two years after Strobe, there was this song that uh, I that that was released and it never really gained any traction until this year. And I was just listening to it um, in the uh, I was just listening to it on the way here on the bus. <laughs> and this kind of speaks to how out there I can kind of get maybe in terms of what I listen to, but. It's been a meme culture thing. <laughs> it's been a meme culture thing over the last two weeks. Uh, Seabat by Hudson oh, Hall. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> okay. right. A lot of people are like, oh my god, it's so funny. But I'm like, dude, that drop is seriously good. Yeah. <laughs> Madion played it in his set. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I realized I didn't say, like, I guess my favorite track at the moment. Hmm, it's hard, hard to kind of put a finger on things because, I, I, yeah, I listen to a lot of things and it's kind right. of transient. I would say maybe one that has stuck with me is this track called Halcyon and On, uh, and it's the John Hopkins remix. Uh, Halcyon and On, it's actually, it, it's a pretty old kind of, 
1990s trans techno kind of song that uh, is very famously used in a few movies, notably the Hackers, which is like kind of a, <laughs> a big, I don't know if I can say, psychedelic trip of a movie, uh, <laughs> computer hacking. <laughs> and they open the song with just this like cool trans techno banger. And like the whole soundtrack is filled with like Prodigy and Chemical Brothers, that kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of like informed my song. But yeah, that specific song stuck with me. So when I found John Hopkins, who was like kind of a, I mean, he's been around a while, but uh, he's, he's still active today and like making a lot of music. So when I found out he made like a 2022 version, a new remix of it that kind of really put a really cool spin on original while being faithful. I think it really stuck with me. So like sometimes the, the melody, I, I, I don't know if I get copyright strike, that kind of uh, melody, it just sticks in my head. It's just a really cool riff that has like stood the test of time about 20, 25 years or 20 something years at this point. So yeah, that's the track that stuck with me. Right. Yep. Nice, nice. Nice, nice. Now, now thanks for sharing your favorite tracks. Now we would like to ask, how or when did you guys discover your passion for music production? Was it something that you guys have always been interested in since young? Or did it just struck you guys one day when you woke up? Hmm, okay, so uh, shall I go first? Yeah, is that yeah right? go first, go first. All right, for me, I would say that there's a bunch of factors that led to me like kind of starting on this journey. Let me just go through them as, as much as I can. I used to uh, kind of hang out with my dad in the car because he, he's an architect, so he would go and check out like construction sites and all that right. of the buildings he's making. Then on the way there, he had his whole CD collection and he would just play the stuff and he doesn't really at that point at least he did not really listen to like contemporary stuff he would listen to 1980s mm. uh, music as specifically uh, the UK United Kingdom um, British synth pop dark wave kind of thing so it's like stuff like Pet Shop Boys uh, sometimes Depeche Mode Duran Duran um, all these bands so I kind of grew up on that as well as funny as it is because I'm born in 1998 I'm not <laughs> I didn't, didn't grow up in the 80s but at the same time I sort of like grew up <laughs> through the 80s by some sort of proxy it's not the full experience I know yeah all the actual 80s babies in here will like kind of come after me but yeah I did grow up a lot of <laughs> yeah I, I will grow I, I, I did grow up on a lot of those tunes a, a lot of what characterizes those tunes is specifically synthetic tones like electronic uh, electronic tones well electronic music has kind of it's, it's a pretty new art form in itself only because all the technology itself is relatively new it's like just a hundred years or so but the 80s was when they were really like digging into the fact oh I can press this key and like this really otherworldly sound will come out because um, a lot of synthesizers they were originally meant to kind of emulate real instruments mm. until they found out that you can't really do that with electricity because it's bad at doing it but at the same time you can make unique sounds that no one else has heard so right. during that period there's a lot of these interesting sounds all buzzing about the radio people using them in their songs and all that and because that's what I listened to it kind of got infused in me early <laughs> like from the age of four and all that just and became then, a part of you yeah <laughs> exactly and then uh, going forward to I guess I was around I think I was 12, so it was around 2010 and all that. That was when I started get, getting quite geeky into computer stuff. So I was like learning how to install Linux and old laptop just to reboot it because it was running on Windows Vista and we all know what a fun time Windows Vista was. <laughs> For those of y'all who remember, like old enough to. Bro. Yeah, basically I found out that part of like, I guess the Linux ecosystem included free music software and one of them was called Linux Multimedia Studio which is meant to be like a sort of spiritual clone or cop- like kind of a kind of a spiritual recreation of FL Studio which is um, still a very popular music making program today it's, it was free because I mean you're a 12 year old kid you don't have money <laughs> you, can't, you can't buy software and all that so I started with that just making some simple beats uh, in that then I, I thought like why not just put it on YouTube I mean yeah just kind of made a channel there just put my stuff up with like really badly drawn 
on clip art. I think I just got some clip art off Google or something. And I just put them. I think it's, they're all still there, by the way, on my YouTube channel. So you can just scroll back down and relive my um, um, embarrassing memories, right? Yeah, but yeah. So that's where I started with all that technology, like the, just the free stuff. Then after my PSLE, my parents, they kind of saw this passion in me. Um, and it was, I should know at this point, I was also learning classical piano. But kind of, <laughs> you, you know how classical piano is like. Lost touch. It's, yeah, it's a bit, yeah. Of a, yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare sometimes. So my parents wanted me to have like an alternative musical outlet so they bought me a synthesizer workstation so oh, that's a so kind of a cool. it's kind of like a mid-range semi-professional synth I still have that synth by the way it still works and I could actually make songs on that synth because it had like a, a, a little sequencer on board a sequencer is basically something that you would use to uh, kind of program songs electronically nowadays we all do it on a computer but when I started other than LMMS or the Linux software I actually made my songs on the keyboard itself directly mm. then I'll just record them out and just put them online there was this service called Jamendo which is it's still up actually it's basically it's tied with the Linux ecosystem and people used it uh, to share music this was I think pre-SoundCloud or like or just as SoundCloud was coming out so it wasn't that popular people didn't really do electronic music yeah. in the way that mm, we do now right. maybe you find some Japanese guy on YouTube who did like a <laughs> cover of a Kraftwerk song on FL Studio that, that's the only thing that you would find it's not a big community that we have today but yeah I just put it up and yeah it did actually get some traction and it is still getting listens today for some reason <laughs> yeah, even though I listen back it's just cringy but yeah then that, that was kind of where it all started then eventually I got a more professional software Logic Pro uh, which is uh, if y'all don't know is the Apple's music software that kind of is sort of you can think of it like the pro version of GarageBand mm. and yeah from there I just built my skills over like on and on and on all the way to today sorry <laughs> alright so the question is how or when did you discover your passion for music production and was it something that you have always been interested in since you were young hearing earlier talk about classical piano yeah. <laughs> yeah. talk about classical piano and I always felt that so ever since I was a kid it always felt that it wasn't for me mm. and uh, I knew I had an acuity for music and a passion for music but I didn't know where it lied another thing about me was that I was uh, kind of anti-gaming when I was a kid which was in contrast to pretty much everybody else perhaps because it was to just uh, win the approval of other people but a part of me kind of rebelled against that the part of me that rebelled against that loved playing racing games Right. As long as I don't play the other kind of stuff, I'm safe. Like, <laughs> people won't think of me as, you know, I don't know why Image was so popular back then. And, you know, in like those racing games, you'd find a lot of these, a lot of this music, you know, you'd find a lot of genres of music, but I got more drawn to the electronic selections. Mm. I think this was the first one, the first song I'd ever heard was Ghost and Stuff by Dead Mouse. Hey! And it, it, so it really wasn't the seed. The seed song really was Ghost and Stuff and mm. not Strobe. No, <laughs> as yeah. I said earlier. Okay. <laughs> and I realized, you know, in 2009, I think, I was 10 years old and I realized, okay, this is some music I can finally identify with. And I kind of kept it in me because, you know, whenever I told it to anybody, they would just uh, deride it and uh, put it down. Mm. So I thought I was just, just a weird kid who liked this kind of obscure music. So, okay, I started listening to a lot more of that stuff. I forgot which artist particularly because even as a kid, I was a guy who was kind of hell-bent on listening to like one artist. <laughs> so uh, something like Spotify wrapped would kind of guilt me out or something. <laughs> 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 then I think, uh, I'm not sure how I caught wind of it but the first time I picked up electronic music was when I heard of FL Studio first track I ever made actually was on FL Studio Mobile on a small iPad 
No way. <laughs> I think it was early 2013. But actually, before that, I was actually sequencing like stuff on like a Roland. So I was like, oh. play. It's Roland RD 700. Like mm. it has a built-in recorder. So I was literally just playing parts mm. over that. But it was really just like parts that were maybe like a synth patch and then a piano. There was no percussion back then. But right. there is percussion on the roll and you can play with the keys. I've done that before, so I should mm. learn that. <laughs> so yeah, the electronic music production side, I got in FL Studio when I was 14 and my first year of high school. I think I heard of it. Yes, I remember yeah. now how I heard of it. It was Madion. Madion's track made it into Need for Speed Most Wanted, mm. 2012. Oh, right. And what I love it. it. It's called The City. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. one hell of a... Yeah. I, I even today, I still listen to it. And uh, I think when I looked up Madion and saw that he was using FL Studio, I was like, oh, that's how I heard about FL Studio. And I wanted to make my own music, too. So that's how that started. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's how that started. First of all, it was identifying with something, finding something you identified with, and then finding out how it was made. And that was basically how it started. All the stuff I did kind of sucked, honestly. Like, if you look at my very old SoundCloud, have you tried doing that? Yeah, yeah. You've got to try doing that. I've commented on it. Like, <laughs> bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there's like old SoundCloud with all the cringe stuff that you didn't know that the limiter existed. You thought everything was okay until you noticed that the limiter was like reading plus 36 dB. And oh you're like, oh my God. If it ain't red, it's dead. <laughs> it ain't yeah. red. Right, yeah. <laughs> so basically, the waveform was just peaking, peaking <laughs> everywhere. It's like, of course, it's at zero dB, but like the limiter was working extra hard. And so, if I when I turned on the limiter for the, when I turned off the limiter for the first time, I <laughs> I had to throw out this beat is fire. <laughs> no, no. When I, when I turned it off for the first time, first of all, I had to take out my headphones. I was on some wireless headphones for some reason, which is also a no-no thing. <laughs> Always use wired headphones. We, we are, our level of technology isn't there yet. I think there there's like a company called III who are experimenting with 2.4 gigahertz for wireless audio. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I don't know if it's 2.4, but it's some sort of wireless band, yes. Going back to the topic, I think there was a time when I was doing like two or three songs per day. Wow. <laughs> I, think I, was in, I think I was in uh, primary, uh, secondary uh, one, two. I have to translate that in real time um, <laughs> secondary one secondary two yeah I was doing like one two three or sometimes the weekends I'd sneak on some FL studio time for myself <laughs> instead of doing my assignments man I wish I could do that today <laughs> but um, the second phase of my musical development was when uh, I went to a high school band we formed a band and we basically played jazz because I noticed that I played a lot by ear actually yeah. the main way is is the main way I play on the keyboard is how I, I play by ear. I've been playing for 19 years now, so it's pretty mm. pretty long. And uh, I've been using that to cheat my way through classical music education. <laughs> <laughs> and I realize, I'm realizing now that's how exactly how the jazz people do it. Like, they copy by ear. Um, but going back to that, like, I noticed that I enjoy playing that. And there was this fellow producer from, I think there was from some other high school that was doing all these insane chord progressions and I could identify them by ear 
And I was like, that's how I got introduced to uh, harmonic analysis. Oh. So I noticed that this harmonic analysis applies, the skill applies directly to the jazz band I joined. And so this is when the style shift happened. Like, this is when I moved onto a more jazzy sound. It was for hip hop and jazz hop, hip hop, lo-fi. You, you can analyze them with jazz theory, actually. Oh, wow. You can. I think people like Anomaly, Anomaly, A-N-O-M-A-L-I-E, <laughs> one hell of a producer. His stuff, he's really good on the keyboard, and he basically, his playing carries his entire stuff. Mm. And uh, this is the kind of music that I, w- I shifted to, where there's a lot more playing yeah. rather than clicking it in. Although, of course, these techniques are actually specific to the genre, so mm. it, it's not like one is better than the other. It's just that... <laughs> For example, in, if I would make EDM, I'd rather click everything in because everybody expects everything to be in beat. It's, you know, oh, it's yeah. electronic music. It's supposed to be. Yeah, of course, that's the, probably very sacrilegious to my own genre. But in that kind of music, you know, people kind of expect it to be bang on beat. That's how I got to be. Like, my first phase was really EDM-based because I listened to a lot of EDM. And then I got exposed to other music, jazz music, hip-hop, rap. And I realized that there was a big world out there. And I, I think I still have to realize that. I hope. I have a third face soon. I don't know. <laughs> metal. <laughs> metal has one hell of a texture, though. Yeah. Metal has, sorry, cut. Metal has great texture. They're playing like power chords all the time. The texture and the tone are immaculate, and the mm. rhythm and the energy that the music carries is—it's really intriguing. I want to. I want to. I want to learn how to mix metal music, mm-hmm. even though it's not. I don't identify with it. It's still got this tone, mm. and people have fused metal with jazz they call it oh, gent yeah. adam neely oh, yeah. is one of the proponents of that yes it sounds really good he has a remix of uh, want to want me by jason derulo oh. and it sounds really good like the, the texture of metal and the harmony of jazz come together what do you call it again it's the remix of right. want to want me by jason derulo okay yeah but i was just like that one oh that's cool that's cool is it on spotify i think so it's Sungazer, right? If it's Sungazer, yeah, yeah. then... Sungazer's Adam Sungazer. Lee's band. So, yes. yeah, for those, so those of you who don't know Adam Lee, like, this is a brilliant YouTuber and musician who kind of goes into music theory, especially, like, with a focus on jazz, but uh, kind of, like, also branching out to other stuff as well. Yeah, he just explains music in this very clear and immaculate way. All sorts of musical concepts. Yeah, I always watch him, and I really watch him a big fan <laughs> yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge fan of him. I just saw his video on Seabat, you know? Oh, yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Right. okay, so y'all have been dropping a lot of artist names and a lot of tracks that have been like sort of in your childhood growing up inspiring your music so we do have a playlist on our show that we introduce with every episode we talk about the music that we introduce and then we add it into a playlist for all our listeners to listen to so maybe after this episode we'll send you guys the playlist link and y'all can add all the music that you have been talking about so that our listeners have a chance to listen to it and understand where you guys are coming from and uh, link it with the music that you're making as well kind of get what's going on here (laughs) also speaking of the artists that y'all have been dropping do you have any musical inspiration do you, would you say that all these artists that you've been drop, like naming the last few minutes do you think they inspired your style of music or did the inspiration for your style of music come from somewhere else I would say yes certain like kind of sensibilities that these artists exude in their music I would also subconsciously impart into my own uh, stuff although that said it's not always I know this might be funny to say but um, it's not always music that inspires me to make music because <laughs> that's a fair enough correlation and of course I do get inspired by 
musical artist. But I mean, I think inspiration can come from any source. Like I could look at the way that the auntie downstairs is preparing the chicken rice, chopping the thing and all that. <laughs> and that somehow kind of creates this sort of mental image of a texture in my head. And I might be compelled to make something out of that. Alternatively, I think visual and olfactory kind of haptic stimuli, uh, they're all kind of sources of inspiration for me as well. Like s- certain things that I see in daily life, certain things that I that I can feel, like maybe even like the, the rough texture of a wall that might inspire me to create some sort of rough distorted texture in the software Ableton Live in terms of a sound design perspective. So yeah, I always believe this kind of musical inspiration is not necessarily limited to the sense of hearing. If you think about it, the way we experience sound and the way we hear things, it's all in terms of metaphors anyway. We don't actually have a lot of vocabulary to describe sound. We always say loud or soft and all that, but sometimes we hear a sound like this. We'll describe that sound like, oh, this sound is very sharp. But the word sharp is itself, it's something that's haptic. It refers to the sense of touch. So we are always kind of translating these metaphors from our other senses into the sense of hearing in order to articulate what we are hearing. And I think Mm. that really is why I think I can draw inspiration from literally anything, all all five senses, anything. The world is kind of like the the thing, like my endless resource that I draw upon for inspiration. Doesn't necessarily need to be music. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Follow up question, just following up from that. Was there any track that you made that was inspired by something? I would say actually the track in question today, Parabola, I would say. I mean, I think I like to do, I like to, I I don't think it's real um, kind of synesthesia or anything, but I do kind of associate colours with certain sounds and I always wanted to make, for that moment when I was making, I wanted to make something that sounded blue. Yeah, not blue as in sad, but just blue. Like, what does blue sound like? And if you look at the album artwork for that song, it's It's all blue and all that for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, and I guess like, I'll say maybe visual, like if you look at the colour blue and I say, what kind of tones feel blue? What kind of associations do I have with the word blue? Maybe tones that are smoother, not so kind of arresting because if you think of the colour blue, it doesn't really kind of assault the eyes. It's easy on the eyes as opposed to red which is while red is my favourite colour it is a very forward colour it demands to be seen whereas blue is kind of muted it's kind of held back so that kind of informed the sound design as well like like I was maybe using certain sounds that are more gentle or more subtle like if you listen closely on like a pair of good earphones you can hear like little details of like what people call ear candy going through the back of your head so so to speak kind of was how I wanted to translate that blueness that little subtlety or something that's gentle and cool and all that as opposed to something that was kind of like really in your face uh, yeah so that's uh, just one example of it yeah, uh, yeah I'll go check out Parabola yeah. by falling out yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you thank you yeah, yeah. let's go okay, what about your music musical inspirations yeah we'll get back to Parabola later because uh, yeah, that one was a one hell of an inspiring it was a really inspiring uh, track oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> like when I first heard it on Instagram, I'm gonna talk about that mm. later. Sure. But of course. this kind of links into the whole thing where I'd say music is a massive inspiration source for me. I think, especially the artists. We ask about artists mm-hmm. first. I already mentioned some of their names before. Anomaly, Dorian Concept, Madion, Complexive. Uh, it's pretty. They're they're pretty. They're not a small artist, but they're not as known as some of the others but they have really good music and I think maybe because I've been intimately experiencing music that like I don't know the last few years have been kind of a music for music's sake thing for me but if you ask 13 year old me pretty much have the same answer as (laughs) you like there's so much to draw 
inspiration from. Mm. And I think a lot of this has to do with how connected you are to your environment and how connected you are to your surrounding. Personally, for me, the new material I've been working on has is really an exercise of reflecting inward, going back into my emotions because, yeah, the last three years have been pretty disconnected for many reasons. Mm. And this is the stuff I'm working on right now, not the stuff I'm about to release, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay, and the okay. stuff I'm working on right now, I think it takes a lot of uh, the vocal arrangements take a lot of inspiration from Jacob Collier, which is oh, another vocals? musician. Oh, vocals. Vocal oh. <laughs> uh, I, I collaborate with people. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Although, like, I, I definitely would love to try like a talk box because that's like that that combines like singing into a talk box. That would that combines the electronic texture with an organic like voice mm. or something with something that you can communicate in another dimension with mm. basically right. like, using words yeah. it's still pretty it's still pretty insane though i love that kind of sound uh taking inspiration from oneself from inside then probably i'd be able to take the inspiration again from outside you know <laughs> <laughs> one thing that does take inspiration from outside is my tr are, are my track titles <laughs> <laughs> my track titles are really arbitrary okay. and they take inspiration from all sorts of and sometimes they aren't even related to the music <laughs> I literally slap a title on and call it a day feels like Apex <laughs> Twin or something yeah. Yeah. <laughs> although my titles aren't as avant-garde as Apex Twins yeah. <laughs> man, guy has, like, man has a song called Four it's literally <laughs> just the number four it's not even spelled out it's just four just, no. it's not four. Yeah. <laughs> just four it's a great track <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. this was this was uh, this one my other pro project right um sir uh no this is uh Apex twin yeah oh yeah yeah, Apex yeah. Twin. yeah yeah he does have a track called four yes yeah. oh that's cool that's cool right. <laughs> all right so well now that we know your inspirations right maybe you can tell us more about how does your like creative process look like when you're you know making a song or like how do you start you know how do you like what if you encounter a hiccup like what do you do to try to you know get over it do you have like music block as writers do have like writer's block you know things like that mm. Mm. Yes, actually that exists. Uh, some musicians actually just call it writer's block, period. Usually to get over that, you literally, uh, you, you, you have a few options. First of all, you have to draw from another source of inspiration because writer's block is usually the product of no inspiration. <laughs> if you're making music for music's sake, unless you've done it a million times before, you will run into the block. To be able to draw on other things to inspire you to make music again is very important and something that i'm really working on like i actively look for like around me like oh what can i do i take note of it my creative process though is very inherently musical like i tend to have a lot of melodies in my head even right. when i passively have a lot of melodies in my head as if my mind was speaking a language and talking to itself <laughs> in terms of music and I sometimes hum uncontrollably, some of you know this. And these are literally musical ideas that come from my head. And so the one thing I've been really working on is translating it into paper or some other medium very quickly. My process really consists of like, I really need to be in like a space. Like once I have that, I run into that space immediately. I fire up the keyboard, I fire up the laptop, I fire up everything. Actually, you know what? Uh, improvement I can do to that is to have everything fired up already. <laughs> <laughs> Ideas are fleeting. Ideas are really fleeting. If you lose them, you lose them for a long time until they come back arbitrarily and then you have to go through the process again of firing right. everything up unless you have, have everything fired up already. Hmm. So I usually have a keyboard on hand at the ready uh, in a fixed studio space and I'm ready to record into it. I do notice that, not to go against any certain software right now, but um, 
I had recently tried Logic Pro as he did. Mm. He he uh, he calls himself the Logic Propagandist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in our organization, in our in our CCA, uh, yeah. EML Electronic Music Lab, uh, yeah. Yeah. EML best CCA. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't tell anyone I said that. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I did try it. I noticed how quick the record workflow is mm-hmm. literally create a track and mm-hmm. record in FL studio it's the opposite the piano roll workflow is very fast like you don't have to press a modifier key to write in a note like logic and if you have everything in the compartments called patterns and you write everything out then you can set up the song structure extremely quickly but this is not in a, like a recording way like not the recording way of doing it. If you're doing it the recording way, which is kind of the stuff I make, like being able to record in one key press is very important. And I think that was one, yeah. using Logic for that kind of music is also one of the ways I reduce the amount of friction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because my creative process is very spontaneous. It really draws from an instantaneous idea and optimizing the workflow from brain to sound. Wow. Because essentially, as musicians, we're just uh, glorified uh, ABCs, you know? <laughs> 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 That's a very controversial take, I'd say. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so earlier y'all mentioned about Parabola, and Wakim had done a remix yeah. of Irung, yeah. also goes by Falling Island, yeah, yeah. track fa- Parabola. Now, would you, how would you say that process was like for you? Because I know both those styles are completely different from what you guys normally do. So how do you bring it into your own way? from your, what year had produced. Okay. I gotta tell you about the Parabola story. <laughs> okay, so I was doom scrolling on Instagram. And then, actually, I was, I was about to doom scroll on Instagram. The very first post that came up was Irang's Parabola like, mm. like uh, promo yeah. video. Yeah, and because I, I, I was already going to release it. I, I, I listened yeah. to it and I was like, I instantly thought of a chord, chord progression. Hmm. For it, because the style he did was like low re-space hmm. and you know low re-space, high hi hats, and a lot yeah. of ambience around it. So like, if you do like a low re-space, usually you don't have a lot of you don't have a fast harmonic rhythm. Hmm. Harmonic rhythm means the rate at which the chords change. It's a very vibey song, hmm. and I don't know. One of the ways I like to remix is to completely reinterpret the song. So oh, okay. my Parabola remix is kind of mild in that sense. <laughs> there isn't a lot of reconfiguring i wanted to keep the uh, i wanted to keep a lot of the instrumentation intact yes because it was really part of the sound of the song Mm. for me in the way i would interpret it so going back to the story when i heard it i was like oh my god this is so inspiring i went straight to the studio and then i laid something down Mm. like i I laid the the chords had my head down Mm. and then uh, actually i didn't do that first what i did was play a no, no, I did that first. <laughs> I did that first. I did that first. I did that first. Like, I asked for the stems. Hey, Iran can I have the stems? Yeah. And then he, he gave me the stems yeah. really quickly. I'm always online, chronically yeah. online. So, yeah. And then I, I downloaded that and I, I dragged them on. And I set it to the correct tempo and I was like, okay. So I looked for a patch. I played a patch and I was like, oh, wow, this patch is pretty nice. I jammed a bit until I got the chord progression that I had in my head. So I recorded that. I didn't actually fiddle with the song structure, if you notice. Mm. You, you overlay the original and the remix together, they're almost the same length. Mm. Except at the end, I did change some yeah. part of the structure. And they the actually end. use the exact same beat. So oh, yes. Yeah. Mm. He, basically, like, I took the same... That's how I did it so quickly, because uh, my, my <laughs> drum program is really slow. The drums 
were essentially the same. Like I didn't change a lot of it, or at all. What I did was the You're just a boop boop boop. Yeah, the, <laughs> I, had, I I did have to turn down the hi hat mm. because uh, to to fit it in the new context. Mm. So like there's this one because I didn't have a separate hi hat. Stem, mm. yeah. I had to. Uh, use oh yeah, you. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't send you that. Should I send you that? Yeah. <laughs> Oops. But it also helped me treat that stem as a quote unquote drum bus already. Mm. Okay, so going back to it, like the creative side of it, before doing any of the mixing, I did after the I lay down the chords. I felt like okay, I had to bit had to have a bit of the ALU sound in it, and it had to feel a little funky. So I added the bass line in. I think it was one of those Arturia patches, and mm. like uh, I I played that on. And then I noticed that, hey, that works with the intro too. Hmm. So here's a here's one thing that I like to do sometimes. Actually, I like to do it only sometimes. I realize that it's such a powerful tool. And uh, for somebody like me who like to change chords a lot, one of the most effective things to do is not to do it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, okay. How? So there's this one thing called pedal point, which I love to use. I realized I love to use. <laughs> I recently realized I love to use. And the way I did it in the track was actually in the introduction, I played this bass line. Even though the bass line has a lot of notes, it just implies one chord. If you notice that, E flat minor. That one. So it, it kind of goes around, but it's still the same thing. And it kind of harkens back to the original parabola, mm. which yeah. holds the chord pretty much all the time. Mm. It's it's it, ambient music. It it yeah. pays homage to the ambient music style of the. And then I just let it build up because Iran mm. already had really good effects in there. I didn't have to touch anything <laughs> <laughs> to fit the context. And I also wanted to. I mean, I realized I wanted to try to make music in a style that was kind of like parabola. Mm. It was kind of like synth wavy, but not really. Mm. So the effects already fit. So I was like, okay, sound selection is really good. He's really good at sound selection. <laughs> okay, so then I went to the, then I went over to the, uh, then I went over to the main chorus, which is when, this is when it hits you that yeah. it's a remix. Yeah. The uh, mm. chord progression itself, I put it there. I don't put it at the start so mm. that people kind of are, are like wonder yeah. <laughs> so the rest of it really was building up on the idea of reinterpreting by reharmonization, or mm. reharmonization means just changing the chords of a song to make it to spice it up or make it your own. Mm. And this is one of the main things I do with remixing. I actually have another remix by a friend. He's a friend back home. He's one of my friends I play Minecraft with. <laughs> and uh, he made this uplifting track, trance track called Ayana Stars Are Falling. Oh, it's yeah. It's really I good. Yeah. You, I, I sent it to you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And then I made a remix of it that completely changes the style. Yeah. <laughs> and the oh, wow. only thing I retained was the main melody. Hmm. Oh, wow. It's, it's pretty interesting. I, I think you think mm. you, should, you guys should listen to it probably yeah. put yeah. in the playlist. <laughs> Flow Streak, right? Flow Streak, yeah, right? Flow Streak is the name. Go listen to his stuff. Uh, if you love uplifting trance, give yeah. Flow Streak a try. Uplifting shot. trance with like uh, Hatsune Miku vocals and all that. Oh, yeah. I also, oh. Vocal vocals. Right. Yes. I also had a recent collaboration with him under my old name, Visoral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we went in the studio. We had like two sessions and yeah. he was like, he was able to mix. He's able to mix on the Genelix. And it, nice. <laughs> And he's like, well, that's pretty revealing, although the low end of the room is kind of bad. So <laughs> we still use headphones mm. for that. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> right. Oh, so, okay, we do have one very interesting question right here. And that's if, if you both could relearn music production, like redo the entire process, is there anything you guys would have done differently? 
Hmm, that's an excellent question. I think what I would have done differently would have been to be a bit more patient with uh, sound design. And or rather, yeah, basically sound design is basically the creation of your own timbre. So Joachim just now talked about sound selection. Some people make music this way. They pick sounds from a library of preset sounds and they use that. Uh, for me, nowadays, I don't do that. I make all my sounds from scratch. I synthesize them from scratch. So it starts from a raw, saw preset and I make it that way. I find it's faster for me. It's just my own personal workflow. But the thing is, it did take quite a while for me to get to that point where I could do it so quickly. And it, I kind of, now looking back, it's kind of because I was probably quite impatient. Like, you know, this irascible uh, 13-year-old kid. <laughs> like, I want to make a trance track. I want to I wanna, I wanna be famous. I want to play on a state of trance. I'm in Vambiran. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I like tried to speed run through the sound design process by, I guess, trying to find shortcuts by going on YouTube, finding exact tutorials for certain exact sounds, and then just copying it, like kind of... Um, blow by blow and while that got me the sounds that I wanted I did not understand the synthesizers at all so the point at which I actually got good at sound design is actually pretty late in my journey so I've been doing this for 12 years but I've only really I would say gotten proficient at sound design around 2018 or 2019 so not that long ago Mm. yeah so what really changed was that I actually it it was pretty cool is I at City Music uh, if y'all know City Music is basically the uh, yeah sorry if this is a tangent but I I promise I'll link it back but City Music is basically this really cool music store in Singapore that's been around for like over 50 years at this point they had a show and tell or kind of like a live performance uh, showcase by a local electronic musician called Case Wu yeah he does fantastic stuff can listen to stuff still performs and all that so he basically showed off his synthesizer live synthesizer setup for live performance and sound design and all that and yeah we got to see it and when I went there I I thought like hey this is a really cool thing he's making music in a totally different way that I'm usually accustomed because I mean at that point I was pretty much all in the box making music on a computer and kind of not really exposed to other ways of making electronic music so seeing that live uh, really opened my eyes and because it was a music store <laughs> so there's synthesizers there's gonna be synthesizers around so I saw this little silver keyboard called the Korg Minilog okay so I instantly yeah yeah Walking's making you can't see it on, the, on the Spotify but yeah it's, it's kind of like uh, making the yeah the chef's kiss symbol right okay yes. yeah it is basically uh, it's an analog synthesizer so it basically produces sound by just passing electricity through all sorts of capacitors resistors and basically you can shape sound on your own and it was very hands on so if you look at the design of the mini lock. It's a synthesizer with lots of knobs as opposed to some other keyboards or like if you know those cheaper Casio or Yamaha keyboards where I, I mean you have like the number thing there and you just type in the number it gets a sound. This one it kind of invites you to twist the knobs of every single parameter and shape the sound. And that kind of awakened something in me like oh I... I kind of need this, right? <laughs> that was during NS, uh, my NS. Yeah, I was just a, a lowly private with like a lowly private's pay. But then I was like, mm, do I really need this? Do I really need this? I kind of went back home, slept on it. Then, hmm, yeah, like maybe I should save up money. I think the wise thing to do would be save money because I mean, I'm not making a lot and I should just focus on necessities. So naturally, I did the reasonable thing and bought the synthesizer. <laughs> so, okay. just didn't Oh my yeah. god. Um, <laughs> then it's actually with the hands-on synthesizer at home that honestly it, 
it reinvigorated my music making because I mean honestly in my first year of NS I was kind of very tired out from all the I guess the military stuff that we had to do back and forth from camp every day so yeah like with the synthesizer on hand I finally had a cool instrument um, that I could touch and play with not that I didn't have another keyboard before but this was different because this had every single knob out and yeah. it really accelerated my learning of how synthesis works or how sound design works like I learned what an oscillator was finally I, I didn't quite know what they were back in the past I learned what a filter did a filter is basically something that cuts out sound even like on the mixing board there you kind of have EQs which can kind of act like filters in, a, in some way like cut off low frequencies cut off high frequencies I uh, learned what envelopes are so things that give sound its shape like an up down like kind of a sustained shape and a release this kind of attack decay sustain release all these little things that suddenly became clear because I had the hardware in front of me yeah so I know I'm really selling the cock mini lot a lot now and yes you should buy it you should buy it yeah um, so sponsored, he, sold, <laughs> he, sold, he yeah. sold me one yeah yeah he sold me the XD version <laughs> or rather I, I basically cycled him into buying it <laughs> this, man cycle, this, this guy cycles me into buying a lot of stuff yeah like, for a holiday, delay which yeah, I yeah. haven't gotten yet like, not yet <laughs> yeah. like when I tried the demo immediate immediacy oh. is big mm. thing yeah so yeah that's how we justify it it's, it's the, yeah, it's the copium right? yeah, it's so, the copium yeah, okay. yeah I got the synth then I realised wow if only this was in my life I guess six years ago when I was starting out because I mean back then yes I did have Logic Pro and Logic Pro has lots of powerful powerful synthesizers but at that point in time I didn't know what I was doing and by, I wasn't patient enough to really sit down and learn that and I kind of wish I had gotten that earlier so that kind of like skip past all the looking for YouTube elusive YouTube tutorials and watching them but not really understanding all that kind of thing so yeah, yeah you should learn your tools with any trade or any kind of profession you should sit down to learn the thing shortcuts exist and you can take them but often you will probably not get as enriching a kind of experience uh, out of taking shortcuts like usually the long way gets you there better like so I even say this about my experience learning classical piano Yes, I kind of look back on it with like kind of a 50-50 kind of attitude. Like, uh, yes, it was torturous playing those same scales again and again for the exam, just for a 20-minute exam. But at the same time, I do appreciate the skills that I walked away with. I can play piano pretty proficiently because of the eight years of classical music thing. And it's the same with the synthesizer, same with everything you do, like academics, your work, all that kind of thing. It really doesn't come overnight. I think we should recognize that early on, that none of this comes overnight. None of the getting good at something doesn't come overnight like there's that refrain that says what 10,000 hours I'm not sure how true that is but you should put in the time and in fact like try to reorientate yourself such that you enjoy the you enjoy the process of kind of like making bad sounds I don't making bad songs and knowing that yeah you're still even if it's bad you're still headed in a certain trajectory and a certain direction you will reach there eventually yeah there's no point trying to be a superstar right at the very start or trying to be very very few people <laughs> make it anyway so you might as well not even think of that and if it happens to you then great if it doesn't then at least you enjoy the journey that's my philosophy mm, right. yeah so th yeah yeah. yeah. Great, great insights. I love that. That is something I will remember for a mm. long time. Mm. Okay. Now to my uh, answer to your question about learning. If I were to change my learning, I think, first of all, I, I like to think in a very computational way, input, process, output. <laughs> something causes something, and sometimes they, sometimes you can arrange them in trees. But uh, we won't talk about that right now. What I've always liked to think about was that if I had a tutor from the get-go, then I would probably understand the concepts more uh, intimately and apply them well. Because uh, in high school, I was pretty good at uh, applying algorithmic concepts. Mm. And the uh, music, 
since it's a very, very signal flow kind of thing, and when you think about signal flow, you can also think about it in a philosophical way, mm. like what comes from your brain and out the speakers, like to that kind <laughs> right. of level. Yeah. If I had that, then it would be easier to start from the start, essentially start from what kind of ideas you have in your head, what kind of sounds you have in your head, and what do you want to impart? You know, if it's an emotional thing, then it's an emotional thing. If it's a an imitation of nature, if it's a, if it maybe is just music for music's sake, I don't know. Yeah. Really, starting from the start, uh, I wish I actually had that kind of uh, mm. privilege to start from the start because I, I was kind of like him. Like <laughs> I wanted to make this kind of music. Mm. You know, it's very fun. Like once you're done with music and you hear it, you love it so much. Mm, that's a, yes. that's a great feeling to have. Even though you also sometimes self-loathe with the music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah, it's a magical feeling. I can't describe. It it's like when you see that that file that doesn't have the metadata quite right, but never mind. It's playing yeah, in your it's iTunes playing. library, and it's exactly the sound that you're hearing. Your There's something super magical. Yeah. When you this. click yourself in the artist's field. Yeah, you, type, type in your <laughs> you click yourself in the artist's field. It's an indescribable feeling. <laughs> Although I do have something uh, uh, something to say about what he said about mm. uh, copying YouTube mm. tutorials. Yeah. That's how jazz people do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they copy all the grades mm. yeah. and then they that's how they learn it. Although, yes, it's a very, it's not the most efficient way of learning, mm. I say. Some people think the algorithmic way is the long way, mm. meaning learning the concepts. But actually, mm. I feel like it's the shortcut. Mm. <laughs> because then if you know this stuff from the ground up, Mm. then you're able to apply it to other yes, peripheral things. Right. And it's a scalable, adaptable thing. And scalability yes. is one of my core values. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I always think of scalability, even like the UI of, for example, the UI of, if the UI of software isn't scalable, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> FL Studio was one of the first few software to go scalar in mm. UI. Back in 2015, I think, mm. and then everybody was ridiculing it at the start, but now no one's complaining <laughs> because uh, you you put an 8K display, it will scale properly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, this is the kind of thing that I want to do with my learning. It really is hard at the start to do. Like I would probably change, you know, first of all, the that I would get a tutor because mm. it's important that somebody who knows who's been there done that mm. aid you in learning because unless you're like a 300 IQ whiz who can <laughs> somehow figure it out by themselves you really run into a lot of stumbling mm. blocks it's just a way to improve the efficiency of learning is to find somebody yeah. who knows how to do it but of course there are risks in that some people some teachers you know it, it's all about mm. finding the right teacher some yeah. teachers will mm. restrict you and turn you into another version of them which isn't mm. exactly the right way yeah. to learn mm. right yeah. So like finding the right educational exactly. resources, and there's so many resources online now. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And yeah, I I think like this is another thing that we sh we can talk about is like the landscape of electronic or computer music production has really changed in the yes. past like 15 years. When I started out, actually I was lucky enough to actually have a tutor. So like on top of my piano teacher, I also had this tutor. His name is yeah I can just name drop because he's a legend <laughs> in Singapore. So uh, he's Mike Mayuni. So yeah, a really cool guy. He has produced music for like the Youth Olympic Games and all Ooh. that like just, but just the, the humblest sweetest guy but like was so so knowledgeable like professional sorts of instruments he just like kind of yeah shout out to you Mike <laughs> <laughs> right yeah but um, yeah he started me out from the start and teaching is basically a multi-pronged thing where it's not 
always just about, I guess, the technical skills, although that's important, but it's also kind of about attitude and mentality. By starting my kind of music production journey with him, like he imparted a lot of kind of not just technical skills or how to use logic, how to start recording and all that. Uh, he imparted a lot of kind of like skills with regard to attitudes, with regard to how I should, like, I guess, I mean, carry myself as a musician, as an artist, always kind of be receptive to learning new things, be aware that what you know is it's just a little slice of the entire universe of sound out there. You you don't know everything. <laughs> That's basically what right. I got. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things you don't know and we should embrace that. And we, sh- I, I mean, like, sometimes it's kind of, I know, like, especially, like, especially back then, like, 13 years old, we kind of, like, have, sometimes 13 year olds, we kind of have big egos and I know how to do everything. I know how to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. so it was really useful and it was really helpful to have my tutor there to kind of keep me in check and kind of, like, uh, keep me grounded. Yeah, really appreciate it. You know, I, I still hang out with I still like kind of talk to him all the time and all that yeah but I was really lucky because back then you wouldn't find a music school that would offer classes on electronic music production and all these kinds of things or rather it was very rare you had to find someone who wasn't exactly a, like doesn't exactly do the teaching as a kind of a full-time gig but rather has the time to kind of take you under the wing and uh, basically go through with you but nowadays there are like uh, music schools that are specifically dedicated to teaching electronic music and uh, not to self-plug but I myself also an electronic music instructor now uh, I teach under Pop Studio Academy I teach both Logic Pro and Ableton Live, uh, the two software, and yeah, like I, I wish I had that. When I wish, like I mean, I had that, but I wish that, uh, not necessarily I didn't have that because my teacher was fantastic. But I wish that the current environment we have now with music education was what was was what was like kind of prevalent back then because back then it was, it was really hard and like there's a lot of people who kind of just start out like I see them online and all. they start out they they have the drive but then um, sometimes without guidance it's really hard to get started even with all the YouTube tutorials in the world yeah it's gonna be quite difficult to learn it on your own learning from someone is always better yeah uh, and yeah I'm so happy that now we have like these resources and all that yeah even now like when with my own students seeing them just make something out of it is a magical feeling it's like oh I remember when I was like that yeah then um it's really it's really uh, it's a really like wonderful thing to kind of see like music or learn a lot for music being kind of spread um, through education as well so yeah, yeah this is something this is a brief, brief tension but yeah uh, just want to talk about that as well yeah. no I think that's lovely actually now that you mm. guys are talking about all the advice that you will give to mm. the up and coming music producers maybe somebody who is listening to episode right now and is keen to start out producing music what kind of maybe just sum up all the advice that you will give mm. to this young producer who okay. is starting out Okay, to start off, I would say if you are a student of National University of Singapore, there is a club that specifically does a lot of the things that we do. Yep. A club, a laboratory where electronic music is made. <laughs> music of the electronic variety. Okay, yeah, it's called Electronic Music Lab. It's been, That's basically the uh, electronic music performance and production group in Singapore, of which both myself, Joachim, and also Vivi are members. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's a really fantastic community. Like, even though the last two years were COVID and all that, we kind of really stuck together, made all sorts of cool music, all sorts of cool productions. That's if you are kind of in NUS. Okay, alternatively, uh, if you're not in NUS, uh, there's actually a lot of other communities that you can try to be part of now that electronic music is so, like, kind of widespread. It doesn't need to be geographically restricted you can find communities on discord online uh, as long as you find a community regardless of whether it's like local or kind of overseas you 
can like meet other people, we can connect with other people. Yeah, and especially social media makes it so easy to do so uh, these days. Um, a lot of the other, I guess, tertiary institutions, institutes of higher learning in Singapore, they also do have some sort of electronic music or electronic music adjacent clubs. Uh, might not always be production. Some of them have uh, specifically more DJ-oriented clubs. Uh, NUS has a few of those as well, including NUS Sync. Yeah, there's all sorts of dif- different clubs. So just look through your CCA pamphlet when you are joining a new place or joining a new school try and see what clubs there are see if there's something that resonates with you or if you want you could even start your own right you can start your own club <laughs> right, right? Yeah. I believe they actually did that in NTU with, uh, yeah I, I believe they're called 808 NTU you can check them out on Instagram okay. as well yeah try to find communities early on because it's always useful uh, there's lots of especially in our own um, group EML we have lots of people who have come in with zero experience but because of like kind of the mutual support of the community people pushing each other up people helping each other people getting on discord at 3am and like just collabing because I've totally done that with my friends yeah then you really improve by leaps and bounds yeah mm, okay right. I just want to add on that yes I love electronic music like, because that's pretty, that's pretty much how I started yeah. out I it's came your with... yeah, favourite CCA right favourite CCA, CCA. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to make you choose now. Yeah, we are both but the best. We are both <laughs> the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But anyway, even if you are if you are an NUS student, I do recommend going to see EML, seeing how it works because that's where I started out. Came out, came in with zero experience. I would say I'm more confident, somewhat more confident in mm. making my own tracks. So, yeah, one day you'll see me on SoundCloud when I have the confidence to make a SoundCloud. <laughs> First SoundCloud, next Ultra Music Festival. Yeah. <laughs> One day, one day. Bro, 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 just just make a SoundCloud, man. (laughs) You want to hear my first song on SoundCloud? Okay, maybe after this session, yeah. then I'll, I'll kill. I, 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 I dare not play that song on the main questions of the conservatory. Oh my god, that would, that would be like a, that would be like a hellscape. In fact, it would be so much of a hellscape that it would pass off as avant-garde art. You could do that as part of an avant-garde art installation. Um, anyway, to answer your question, if you're done, yeah, sure, uh, if you're yeah. done I'm going to make this brief because Iran gave a lot of like details mm. about the finding communities, mm. you know, reaching out because it's very important as well. But now I'm going to talk about the learning about learning, meta-learning. Mm. And thinking about learning is, I think... The first thing you got to think about if you want to start producing is how, how much, how much, how invested are you in it, basically? <laughs> if you don't know, then uh, give it a try. Give it a shot. You know, you do all the watch YouTube tutorial stuff. But when you've reached a point where I say, this is what I want to do, you have to find more serious educational resources <laughs> because the quality of education is important <laughs> because good educators think how they teach and think about how uh, and think about how what they teach affects their students right. they don't just say they're not the more technical side where they say this is what you do because that's it's a tutorial not necessarily a lecture you know how NUS uh, uh, distinguishes a lot of universities distinguish lectures from tutorials a lecture is a high level like it feels like a high level discussion of the subject or a discussion of the fundamentals and that's what a lot of producers miss mm. even i missed that when i was 14 15 
this is literally something I learned in college. <laughs> <laughs> and when I did, it really completely changed the way I mix because I was taught well. Mm. Being taught well is important for almost any skill. Or else you'll be doing something for 20 years the wrong way. Yes. Mm, right. A lot of people somehow by stroke of luck, they do it the right way using this approach. But why go through all that suffering when... Of course, it depends, right? It depends on how you like to learn. Mm. If, you, if you like to learn and you know... If you like to learn the ad hoc way and you find that you've garnered a lot of success that way, then more power to you. Mm. Do your learning that way. I think, yes, the more fundamental way to phrase the way... I would the the advice I would give people is first you need to learn how you learn you know how you learn and you adapt the way you learn to that way. Mm, that's true, that's true. Yeah, right. it's not it's not good for me to enforce one way of learning on everybody <laughs> listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's that's my advice. Mm-hmm. Um, learning how to learn and learning how you learn is a very powerful tool in developing any skill, especially in music production where there are so many adjacent skills. Mm. Oh, that's nice, that's nice. Alright, so uh, thank you for Islands at ALU for answering all our questions and I hope that everyone listening got to know about you know, you and the way you make your music. So we'll actually take a little break here and when we come back, we're going to play a little game of uh, rapid fire questions with the both of you, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the show, and now we'll be moving on to the rapid fire questions segment with Falling Islands and ALU. So, in this segment, we'll be asking each of you a question and answer as fast as you can, but feel free to elaborate as well. So, let's get straight to the first question. Question one What were your childhood dream occupations? Astronaut. Oh, damn, that was fast! <laughs> I want to be a racing car driver, I think. Right. It's F1 season. Go yes, uh, F1 season. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. I'm curious, though, why an astronaut? Uh, I like space. <laughs> oh right. I, I didn't know you were a space fan. Next question. Other than, you know, producing music, what are some of your other hobbies? Like, how do you spend your free time, you know? Uh, I build MRT systems in Minecraft. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. Right. Um, I like to walk unreasonably long distances for no reason. Like, yeah. Oh my, oh my god. god. Yeah. This guy walked like from I, for I no reason. Everybody who's like got out for lunch with you. Like I'll say it's a short walk, yeah, and I'll bring them on walk. like like uh, we walk the from the end of the highway to somewhere yeah, in the west coast, <laughs> to somewhere deep in the HDB estate. But the food. At the end, it's always good. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I, have to, I have to go walk with this guy one day. It's a free ring on my watch. It's a free ring. Yeah. Like I, I, my most recent epic walk, like it was like uh from Rocho. Like we started at this vending machine because that vending machine has a this specific brand of uh, Vietnamese coffee that I like. So we started there. Then we walked all the way to Badok. 
Oh, it's oh, oh, oh. <laughs> really far. Yeah, through the through the park, so it's nice. Like the East Coast Park, and it's, East Coast Park is very long, so it's actually quite connected. It's a pretty straightforward route, but it's just. It's 15 but was that planned or was it unplanned? Uh, planned. Okay. Because oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you like unplanned right yeah, before. Yeah, it was kind of looking for show. It was like, but it was more. Uh, I have done that before. <laughs> because yeah, I've like taken a bus all the way to the extreme end of the interchange from my place and then walk home <laughs> from oh there. So yeah, thirteen km. Uh, rainy day, my phone died. I had no umbrella. I was in slippers. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But it's okay, it was fun. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to do that walk once. <laughs> before before my uh, before my student pass expires. <laughs> 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 East Coast Park, there's a lot of places I haven't mm. visited yet. Mm. You know, because when people visit Singapore, they're always in the CBD and I'm like, yeah. you, know, you guys got to get out some, <laughs> somewhere, you know? And then when they when they say, okay, yeah, we went to Night Safari, I'm like, bro. <laughs> 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 bro, go somewhere. <laughs> go somewhere else, man. But there's a lot, yeah. There's a lot of stuff to explore here. Mm. Uh, no, I haven't. Mm. Yeah, right. yeah. So that is interesting. Yeah. Walks, <laughs> yeah. long walks. Right. So next question: How does a day in your life typically look like? Mm, I wake up. Mm. I might eat breakfast. <laughs> might. Uh, Okay, I, I like to go to... I'm a kopitiam uncle, basically. Like, yeah. So I like to go down, get my daily fix of coffee. Like, like the high-class Atas Cafe coffee does not work for me. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, it might as well be just drinking water for Heartlander. me. But, yeah, yeah. But the downstairs one... Yeah. Wow, it, 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 might, it like just hits you in the face. And like, okay, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready. Yeah, that's what I do. I'll get coffee, then maybe eat like some of the coffee shop breakfast. Maybe walk, as, I, as I've already established that I like to do. Walk to some... like. Uh, um, nearby Kopitiam or sometimes not so nearby Kopitiam but I'll walk anyway uh, yeah because I, I like food exploration it's, it's fun um, <laughs> I don't, but I don't really like going to malls to do that because mm. the good stuff is in the heartlands where like no one would yeah. think to look that is true, that yeah. is true. and yeah. it's cheap right? whereas the mall you're paying 10, 15 I, I found like this incredible duck rice for four fifty at okay now I'm giving it away but it's Sambawang Hills food centre the duck rice there it's called Sing Huat duck rice wow that was oh, incredible yeah. four fifty. Ooh, yeah right. it, it, it's incredible it's incredible <laughs> mind blowing <laughs> to do a pilgrimage there have yeah. you been gatekeeping this secret for the long time everyone's got to go there now you've given them sales you've just given them it's okay I have many many other secret locations in my head well yeah you've also given Valhalla sales from me so Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this, this guy's an incredible salesman. <laughs> uh, talking about my typical day, I'd probably start out, uh, probably start out not very, not too early. Early in the morning, usually I'd probably be doing either schoolwork or um, working on, or maybe jamming if I'm alone. <laughs> yeah, uh, midday depends on the school day. If it's not a school day, I either uh, stay in a jam or I go out somewhere random, like. Just so that I don't, you know, just, just so that I kind of move, you know. <laughs> I don't want to move. Um, and then uh, sometimes I'd have opportunities to play with my friends. Who are, a lot of them are online. An overwhelming majority of them are actually online. Um, you know, um, I'm kind of working on that. <laughs> but I want a year four. What, what is to do with that? <laughs> so I, I kind of reach out to people with music and EML is nice. a, a instrumental part of my social life. Yeah, so, instrumental. Mental, but sometimes also with vocals. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's also something I'm trying to add. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, I think that is a that's a brief overview of what I do. Right. Right. Okay. So next, after you know, get keeping your favorite food. So yeah. now, what are your favorite foods? For me, I'm from the Philippines, so 
native food is always the best for me. <laughs> um, you know, the stuff you ate, you grew up. Lechon? Um, Lechon is one of them, yes, yeah. but it's kind of like you're, you're, you're still under like the, mm. the A tier, which is like Sinigam mm. and the Topo, oh, which mm. is like a stuff you, stuff you really grow up with. Like mm. Here in Singapore, there's, uh, the, there used to be a hawker in Jurong with one Filipino food stall, but it closed down. Oh, no. Yeah, Jurong East Station is being uh, renovated to, uh, to accommodate the Jurong Region Line, and part of that is right. this taking out that that part in the middle where they used to have this oh, hawker. No. <laughs> also, the Jollibee there is gone. Oh, no. uh, the Jollibee oh. there is gone. No more Jurong East Jollibee. <laughs> what is Jurong East doing? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Jurong East also, they, they, they got rid of Tokyo Han, so, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so, so now everything is in Orchard. <laughs> I'm incidentally going there later tonight. Food probably since I grew up with it. Also, some Western what people would call Western here. Uh, it's a pretty large, uh, yeah. It's a large, uh, and there's also some Chinese food that I like. But because also you know it, there's a pattern here. It's food that I ate as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I I will not try to pronounce. Um, I will I will not try to pronounce anything here because uh, the the local pronunciation back home is like. Completely, <laughs> it's oh. it's not the same way they pronounce food here. Yeah, right. <laughs> but there's there's some Chinese food I like. Yeah. Okay. Right now, there's this beef noodle place in Paya Lebar, and it's called Western Mahua, Sifang Mahua or something. Oh, PLQ. Right? Yeah, PLQ. Right. Yeah, PLQ. Oh, <laughs> that, that one, they have this like ultra customizable like beef noodle bowl. You can customize the thickness of the noodles, and they make it on the spot. Oh. Yeah, and oh. I always get the thickest one. So like, yeah, <coughs> uh, forty mm. Oh no, no, forty. Uh, I think it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you can specify the MM and all that. <laughs> um, basically, like, yeah, it's a really you can order. I always order the big bowl which has extra noodles. Then I order extra noodles on top of that. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> then like you know, with the beef it, it's incredible. I, I've had it every week so far. Like because I have work near the area, so I'll just go there. And, like after that, yeah, I also like. Well, I mentioned it already. Duck rice. So um, especially braised duck rice, if it's done well, it can be very good. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, quite a foodie. I also like um, in terms of desserts. I, I like gelato. Like after eating gelato, I'm kind of spoiled by it because I can't eat ice cream already. And oh, every time I eat ice cream, I was like, "This has water crystals in it, ice crystals in it. It's, it's not creamy enough." <laughs> oh, then uh, shout out to Celine's Gelato at uh, Novena Regency Mall. It's like this little tucked away gelato place. It's like a transcendent experience when you have it. My friend and I uh, went there to have their affogato, which is basically like a coffee that you have like ice cream in it. We had it, and I'm not sure I'm not actually still there right now. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how transcendent it was. Yeah, I'm probably still there. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh so yeah, shout out to Salin's Gelato. Fantastic um, place. Yeah, selection is excellent. Yeah. After this, we need not yeah. only a music playlist, but a food, food playlist. playlist. <laughs> oh, man. I, okay, yeah. I, we, we gotta go to that place now. Yeah, there's Lechon at that place as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We eat Lechon yeah. at the place and then we finish it yeah. off that, with that's, the, what, yeah. that's what my friends and I call the cycle or the ritual. We oh. go to the Lechon place first. Then inside, there's actually a Mexican, Mexican food place that's pretty good as well. Uh, yeah. then, then we go okay, we gotta, we gotta set something up after this session. Because I need to evaluate their lechon. No, it is, no, the owners are from the Philippines, so yeah, yeah, I yeah. think I would trust them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, you yeah. Still, you know, you're here, it's still subject to evaluation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, alright. Uh, right, next question. If you could spend a day in someone else's shoe, who would they be and why? They could be anyone. They don't have dead to be. Dead or alive. Yeah. Oh, dead or alive, yeah. Jacob Collier. Nice. Mm. 
hard. It's hard. Just uh, one person. Yeah, I know, I know. That's why it's hard, okay, right? Yeah, it is, yeah, it is difficult. Mm. You cannot go back on your choice. Okay, uh, I would say maybe... Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, yes. yes. Okay, why? Um, Jacob Collier, because he has an unbridled love for music that mm. just, you know, some people call him plastic because he has this genuine, like, it shows so much that it feels like it's a marketing thing. Mm. Oh. I mean, it, it is a marketing thing, but it's not, it doesn't feel like it's something he just puts up as a facade. Mm. Uh, and I kind of want to immerse myself into the world of, like, because it's, I'm a kind of risk-averse person, so it's hard <laughs> for me to try new things. But to be able to dive into a world like that where there are so many things to try is fascinating. Yeah, mm. I think. <laughs> And it goes back into that whole... Um, the whole thing about trying, you know, new things, new food, new experiences, new places, and th- th- this guy's giving me a lot of them, <laughs> just, just just in food, you know, yeah. not all pleasant. You, 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 gotta, you gotta hear them talk about more things. Mm. Gordon Ramsay. I mean, just about the same in the same vein of uh, as Joachim. Um, yeah, like I mean, he's a guy who gets to like eat a lot of food, which I I, I can get behind it. Um, yeah, he also gets to judge food and like get paid for it. Because now I like kind of am judgmental about food and like I'll complain about it but I don't get paid for it he does <laughs> so okay yeah so I think like <laughs> getting in his shoes I don't get to like experience a little bit this is raw but I mean actually outside of his persona in certain shows I think I think he's a pretty okay guy he seems pretty chill yeah. guy his Instagram yeah. is always chill he's so a cool like, okay. dad yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> this answer reminds me of another answer I would probably made Jeremy Clarkson Oh, oh. <laughs> just because I love his accent, <laughs> I, I if I if I had one day in his body, I'd like I, I'd record all the tonight on Bottom Gear memes <laughs> and then send them to myself via email and then post it on a random Discord. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not interesting. <laughs> Those are interesting people to pick. Mm. Well, next thing, now it's about you, so. What's one thing about you that will surprise people when you tell them about it? I was in modern dance. <laughs> oh, serious? For a while, for a short while. <sighs> Primary school. Primary school, like, I guess one or two sim- one or two terms. Oh, like that. Okay, okay. Yeah, but oh. I think I quite enjoyed it. But after, it was kind of like the time where you didn't have official CCAs or activities, so they just made you do everything. Right. And I was in it for a while, so yeah. Along this line, I was also in Chinese orchestra and, or, and in band for two lessons. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> our Chinese orchestra actually performed Erhu on stage, so I could oh, play Erhu okay. for a while. Oh, okay. Now I, I can't really do it, so I'll probably just take a Erhu, then sample it into the Ableton. <laughs> then I'll say, yeah, yeah, then make like weird synth sounds out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting fact. I was guy has piano book. Um, yeah. Hmm. One thing that would surprise if they only know me as a musician, I have almost obsessive enthusiasm with PC hardware. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, there was this one time that it actually surprised someone. Like there was one time where my Dell suddenly died back when I had it and then uh, you know my, my dad took his IT and his IT tried to talk to me you know in the way most ITs would talk to people who don't know how their computers mm-hmm. and then uh, I, I tried to tell him that yes I know this is the stuff that I did troubleshoot and, and then I started talking to him about uh, TSMC Taiwan Semiconductor <laughs> Manufacturing Company yeah. and then I instantly earned his respect <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's nice, that's nice. That's surprising indeed. (laughs) Right, next question. What are you most afraid of? Failure. Oh, Oh, that's deep. It is very deep. (laughs) 
Success. Yeah, I mean, it's partially a Mimi answer, but I think like, okay, because now like, uh, when you're young, you're kind of naive and like you're doing music, oh, I'm going to be famous one day, it's going to be awesome, I'm going to travel over, DJ, all the place. Now, like, I guess growing older, you uh, get to be a little bit more cognizant about how um, part, certain parts of the industry works. And you get to know, uh, realize that for all the good things of the industry, there's always a bad side to it. There's nothing that's perfect in the world. So uh, some of these things are a little bit scary. Like, let's say if my like kind of music career were to scale up, I would have to deal with certain things. I have to deal with certain people, certain mentalities. Like, I guess, like, because it is, after all, still a business and... Uh, as with all businesses, there can be, I guess, propensities for there to be like kind of like unhealthy working relationships, unhealthy practices that come out of it. So I guess, it, yeah, that's why I, I say I'm afraid of like success. If it actually once they finds me or if I'm lucky enough to find it, there will be this new slew of challenges to find as well. And I'll be as like the great philosopher DJ Khaled once said, suffering from success, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, so... That, that is a genuine concern for me. It's, I mean, I, I, on one hand, I know it's kind of like, oh yeah, I, I'm so certain that I'm going to be successful one day that I will have to I'll face the problems that come with success. <laughs> oh but it is God. a genuine concern in, right, in me, yeah. like, especially with regard to music and all that kind of things. Yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah. It's sometimes nice to be in the middle, mm. don't you think? Nice. <laughs> yes. You, you don't have paparazzi attention, mm. but you're not unable mm. to do anything. Mm. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's The Middle, by the mm. way. One of my future songs is called The Middle. Yeah, oh. I recorded it back home in the new studio with a friend. Uh, she's really good. She's a really good vocalist. Like, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should name Job. You should name Job. <laughs> <laughs> you can tease it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, like, she really, like, when I recorded her, like, she pretty much got the part in, like, three tries. Wow. Less wow. reach three tries or less, especially it, my my chords are pretty thick, mm. so they have like extensions like uh, sharp nine flat uh, flat thirteen etc. And uh, if if you break that down into horizontal, like if you break out a bunch of chord changes into horizontal, yeah. like with SATB for example, yeah. um, you'll find that the melodies sound weird on their own. When you mm. it's when you stack them together and add them to the yeah. instrumentals when they mm. make sense. And uh, I noticed that some people have trouble with generating these like melodies that are like for example there's a there's a G sharp in the middle of an F and an A yeah. they might quantize that to a G they might oh. autocorrect it basically yeah. right but that did not happen with her <laughs> she's insane yeah yeah wow. uh, yeah shout out um, and you know I don't this is this song is kind of far away I'm still doing all the editing hmm. and the production but you know, someday, someday we'll come out there and I'll make sure yeah. to market the hell out of it. Because, <laughs> um, you hear it here. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, enough about the middle, yes. Yeah. Uh, and back to the talking point about afraid of failure. I think it's a, for me, it was a, it was a nurture thing. Mm. It was basically programmed to avoid it at all costs. Even mm. though I feel like, to me, failure is a, an essential component of learning you don't make good music without making crap music <laughs> you don't make music you don't make good music without making bad music basically mm. and uh, it, it's all part of it unless of course as I said earlier you go back to a teacher who can help you with that uh, the probability of making really bad music decreases but it's not zero mm. <laughs> right? yeah. that's true mm. yeah. that's beautiful um, but the reason why I'm afraid of failure is because 
I think really it's a nurture thing. Like when you, when your grades are policed as a kid, and your tolerance is only from one hundred to ninety five, I think uh, oh, you'll yeah. be pretty afraid of failure. Right. When you're uh, yeah, it literally I had five percentage points of wiggle room. Oh no. <laughs> Again, man. Five to ten percent. I'd say mm. ninety was still okay, mm. but the target was in the middle. So <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. So yeah, mm. no. You see both sides of things. Mm. Why too much of something is not good or bad, and you just want to stay yep. in the middle of things. Yeah. Duality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So mm. next question: What is your biggest strength? Something more positive, you know? Mm. Yeah. Okay. My biggest strength is that I can get uh, really enthusiastic about things. Yes. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good. That's a really good yeah. thing. Yeah. Because enthusiasm drives depth. And I'm a very depth-oriented person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. even, even my even the subjects I liked now here in NUS, they're very depth-oriented. Mm. The subjects I liked high school are, are depth-oriented, which are like very like physics, yeah. uh, computer science, mathematics. They're depth-oriented. They're not very mm. breadth-oriented. Yeah, mm. I think that's the, the thing I think explanation. Okay. Yeah. For me, I would <coughs> say that it is that. I can be outgoing when it is required. Um, I say that because I'm generally quite introverted, actually. It's only with friends then all the nonsense comes out. But um, actually, like, <laughs> over the course of university, I found that I actually have no problem. I don't have stage fright. Like, I, and uh, maybe it's because I have no really shame good. or so. <laughs> like, I would just, like, good. <laughs> I, like, during class and all that, like, I mean... To me, like, I'll just raise my hand without any hesitation. Even yeah. if I don't have a fully formed answer, I'll just say and improvise, roll, oh, roll with it, that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't really get stumped by, like, oh, I need to say that. I need to compute my answer, so to mm. speak. So, yeah, uh, I think it really helps uh, both in, I guess, academics, since now that's the phase of my life that I'm in. Mm. Because class part is free. <laughs> class part is free marks. Yeah, so, um, and also, like, with regards to music making, like, uh, and, like, music teaching also, because I also teach it, then, um, yeah, you do need to be outgoing to be able to capture the student's attention. Because, um, yeah, I can't believe I'm quoting the Big Bang Theory on this, but, like, it, there was one Big Bang Theory episode where Sheldon, or, like, they were telling Sheldon that teaching is not just the technical parts, but it's also a performance art. Yeah, yeah yes. and like, if yes, you want to yes. learn something from yes. the Big Bang Theory, maybe you take that thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all, the other, yeah, all the other kind of other things in Big I Bang agree, Theory. But yeah, um, yeah, so it's also, you do have to have a, like, to, you know, the best teachers, I think they have a sort of flair to it, to um, the way that they deliver the content. So just by like going into a room, being enthusiastic about the things you're teaching, like, oh, today I'm going to teach you all about the EQ8 in Ableton Live. Even if this is the most mundane thing, oh, a filter, you you know the filter cuts out high frequencies and they kind of thing just say it in a certain okay maybe that's a bit exaggerated but like have a certain bounce to the words and all that uh, yeah. the certain bounce to the articulation show that you really love the thing mm. and like uh, spontaneity and all that it's just even in conversation I think it kind of creates more meaningful conversations <laughs> creates more meaningful relationships by doing this uh, generates more meaningful discourse in, whereas it, that, that's more for the kind of academic um, mm -hmm. arena because like yeah it kind of also ties into I guess like this idea of I guess failing and trying not to do and trying not to fail and all that but at the same time I think it yeah like it, I think it's a much healthier perspective to like think of think of like I guess perfection as a sort of it's, it's something that you should aspire to but you also have to realistically know that you can't get everything perfect it's like the the mathematical concept of an asymptote right I can't believe I'm a literature student but I'm bringing up math okay like you know it's an asymptote it's a line that 
another line will get closer and closer to but will never actually touch. You can get closer to it but you just realistically know that you'll never touch it yeah. but at the same time you can take a step towards it. There's nothing wrong with that. You'll just keep going closer and closer to it. Even if ideally you can never be 100%. You just keep going towards that. Yeah, so like even if like speaking out in class or like even like even if there's a possibility you might get something wrong or the professor might tell you something is not quite right or maybe if like uh, you're delivering a speech or like some sort of thing to like uh, someone else and maybe you flub on some words it's okay just roll with it yeah mm. Mm, improvise it's like jazz talking is like jazz right yeah we should all be like jazz musicians. you know there's mm. a, there's another I have another mental model for perfection mm. it's like orbiting a planet mm. or orbiting a gravitational body with much higher mass than you mm. It's good to orbit around it. it. It's kind of difficult to, it, but it's too easy to like stray off course. Like if, mm. if any change in momentum will change your orbit. Mm. But if you try to go too close to perfection, you will burn yourself out. Mm. Right. Yeah, or you, you crash on the planet, whatever. Right. It can get manic mm. and obsessive. And there's some people who have that energy. And, you know, more power to them because their output really sounds good. Mm. But it's very important to remember that it's the orbit that keeps you going. Mm. Mm. That is a, it is a periodic thing. It's centrifugal force, right? Is that correct? Centrifugal, Cent- force. centrifugal force oh, yeah. is an apparent force. Okay, okay. centripetal force. Okay, okay. <laughs> which is the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, guys. Mm. We've been going into like some very insightful things. I think everybody mm. can learn a lot from this as well. Yeah, yeah. That's very nice. Thank you for sharing. All right. So... Um, that's the end of our rapid fire questions mm. but well now I would like to ask uh, one last thing is that if people want to reach out to you how could they do so is there you know anything that you want people to look forward to in the coming few you know weeks or months or so okay, uh, okay. yeah there. so um, I'll go first <laughs> um, so you can find me on uh, all my social media channels and uh, I guess like creative platforms uh, under the name Falling Islands yeah it's just spelled as it is pronounced I guess there's nothing weird there's just very common words that are just whacked together Falling Islands uh, I'm on YouTube I'm on Instagram so Instagram is just Falling Islands as one word small letters yeah it's my, my face is just plastered there big big so you can just yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah um, I'm on Facebook but I don't update that because <laughs> no one uses I'm on SoundCloud uh, I'm, I think I'm on Audius uh, Spotify Apple Music all the major platforms my music is there as well I'm even on I can't believe I'm saying this I'm on TikTok I haven't put anything there yet <laughs> I plan to <laughs> I plan to because yeah, yeah, yeah I need to like 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 get in touch with what the, the hip young kids are doing right yeah. Yeah, the kids. hip young whippersnappers yeah. right yeah. I, I so, have to learn that I have to learn that I might need to buy a completely different device and a completely different account for TikTok <laughs> yeah I mean I plan to use that for like content creation haven't made anything for it yet but yeah my, most of my activity is I guess yeah uh, Spotify or Instagram I do put more active stuff there uh, yeah as for upcoming things well I have a album an album coming out uh, rather it's not quite an artist album but rather it's a soundtrack album because uh, last year or rather I should say 2020 like yeah you know bring that, that wonderful year where nothing bad happened right yeah uh, there was um, I mean I was involved uh, in my capacity as a electronic music lab member I was involved in this project with uh, NUS Dance Ensemble where uh, they had this uh, show called Past Presence Future uh, it's basically a hybrid film slash stage dance performance. I scored the whole, I scored the whole program. It's basically I wrote the I wrote the score, and not only did that, I 
engineered the score, produced wow. them, mixed and mastered. So it's all done on a laptop. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that soundtrack, I didn't really release it. I didn't put it out last year because I wasn't happy with the way it sounded because it was kind of a rushed job as I, I will admit towards the end because yeah, there was, it's really not a lot of time to make these kinds of things and I'm also a student so I had to deal with school stuff. So yeah, I wasn't happy with the way it sounded but during the most recent holidays, I had small time. Yeah, I was actually encouraged by um, group manager of uh, EML, Mary. Shout out to Mary. Yeah, it's like she actually kind of told me, why don't you just um, release this album to coincide with NUS Dance Ensemble's next show, which is their uh, next show. I think it's called Affirmations, The Next Wave, which is actually like as of the time of recording this podcast, it's next week. It's next Saturday, 8th Ooh. October, 2022. Wow. Uh, yeah, you can get tickets on their page and they are actually going to restage certain parts of Past, Present, Future as part of this program. So I'm releasing this album as kind of like sort of a tie into that. I, I did run it through Dance Ensemble. I didn't just like try to <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. piggyback their marketing. But yeah, I, I did ask them. They're all cool. They actually gave me permission to use their uh, their photographs as the album artwork. So that's coming out in a week. Oh, that album nice. is coming out 8 October. It's 53 minutes long. All uh, kind of electronic orchestral hybrid stuff. One of the songs on there was 18 minutes long. I wrote that song in 48 hours. So yeah, uh, wrote, produced and everything because it had to be done. <laughs> it had to be done. Yeah. yeah. So that's the next coming thing. There's a bunch of more electronic singles coming soon spanning different genres uh, I also have some live performances actually I think one of them no I don't think it's fully 100 com- uh, com- 100% confirmed yet as of the time of recording this but it should be happening in October like myself and actually Joaquim also right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we are going to be performing at uh, the NUS Bar Bar Black Sheep Kent Ridge mm-hmm. uh, it's basically the bar that's outside the museum and Yong Siuto Conservatory of oh, Music yeah. yeah yeah. we are going to be performing a set there um, also this another thing not yet fully confirmed so sorry about this but yeah you can follow me on social media when it is confirmed uh, I should have a set coming uh, late October it's kind of a small cyberpunk theme this is outside of NUS but yeah you can follow me for updates nice. on that kind of thing yeah working on a custom set list for that yeah hopefully hopefully it <laughs> all's good and it happens and all that right? if not right. this is for nothing but follow me on social media uh, for updates on those and of course music is always coming and I, I'm chronically online so I'm always going to put stuff on yes. uh, there <laughs> yeah I'm always going to put more content so follow me all my socials and all that click like subscribe ring the bell yeah hit the notifications all that kind of thing okay yeah 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 I can be found online as ALU uh, to all the computer engineers out there CS CEE all whatever yes it's that kind of ALU So I've got a, well, I've got YouTube, I've got uh, Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, a lot of it is obviously the distributor distributes it to all these uh, platforms. I also have a SoundCloud, which I don't update as much because of the, I, I'm on the free plan. Um, and uh, I'm on Audius, which uh, allows me to up, uh, upload a lot of my discography and more than just what is on Spotify, because there are some things like remixes where I don't necessarily have the rights to upload to a distribution service but I can upload them to a something like SoundCloud yeah. basically mm. yeah so my my ad hoc stuff like that is on SoundCloud uh, you also find me on uh, Instagram at uh, 64bitALU and I believe the Facebook uh, page also has the same handle Ooh. yes I'm also on Twitter <laughs> under the same handle <laughs> so I, I do have a lot of you know social media stuff where I, I post a lot of updates as for upcoming projects, I do have an EP coming soon. TBD on the date because uh, DistroKid doesn't allow me to set the date on my plan. But uh, it consists of all the stuff I made back from 2020 to 
early 2022. This was a period of, since it was definitely the year where nothing wrong happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely nothing wrong. Perfect. <laughs> it, was, it was also a year where I made the most stuff I've ever made in my life. Same, actually. <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, in the same vein as nothing wrong happened. Uh, it's a six, basically a six-track EP of uh, originals that I made from 2020 to 2022. And uh, this was a period, I'd, I'd say, a, a lull in basically everything. When I was here, I was adjusting to NUS, adjusting to studying abroad, the whole, the whole nine yards doing it. And... Um, there were so many hoops I had to jump through. In year three, Sam two, I finally learned how to mix properly, and that completely delayed the entire project almost <laughs> an entire semester because I frantically mixed everything again. <laughs> but you know, I, I poured my heart and soul into this. I poured whatever I had remaining into these six tracks, and uh, I'm finally. It's finally feels so good to be able to put it out into the world and show. And you know, I don't know what. I have to show for it, but it's there. It's a reflection of it's reflection of me in those two years. It's called If Then Maybe Perhaps. The announcement will go shortly on my socials. I still have to somehow get Affinity Designer for Mac. It's on my Windows, but they sell licenses oh. for on a per yeah. platform basis. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So I'm gonna make all my marketing materials on the Legion. Then, mm. uh, yes. So yeah, that's for projects. He already announced the Barbar Black Sheep one. Yeah. <laughs> I might be doing remixes and collaborations with other Electronic Music Lab uh, members. So watch out for that. And and I am currently producing a another EP or another album depends on how big it will be it's as I said earlier about uh, exploring the self and uh, exploring what I felt back then in 2020 2021 addressing what this mind works and I, I, I don't know and it's something I'm exploring and it's a great journey and I hope to release it next year or something like that uh, depending on what kind of uh, you know collaborators I get to work with, so far they've been wonderful. I can't wait to share that music with you guys. But for now, first it's if then maybe perhaps coming out hopefully this month. My socials will have the release date. I think I'm gonna use a staggered release, so I'm gonna release on Bandcamp first. By the way, I have a Bandcamp as well. Oh yeah, I have you a Bandcamp. Have a I band forgot to say. As well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's please, the same. Yeah. Yeah, please buy our music on Bandcamp because we actually get actual money we from get there, rather money. than like the tenth of a cent from the other platforms mm. that will not be named. Exactly. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we actually so, get money. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, my metric for like musical success, actually, like don't mind like fame, stardom, and all that. Is whether or not your streaming revenue can buy you a plate of Hainanese chicken rice <laughs> and if yes. you can add an egg to it that means you really made it if you can yeah. put a coffee on it wow okay okay we are your whole yeah, 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 so yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what we're talking about so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. yeah I think that's all for projects yeah yeah alright mm. so lots of lots of exciting stuff coming right up yeah but I think with that we have come to the end of today's episode and we hope you've learned a lot from our very very special very passionate guests thank you once again Irang and Joaquim for joining us today yes and be sure to follow them on their socials keep up to date with all the releases that they're going to be making in the next few maybe weeks maybe days maybe months to come so be sure to follow them on their socials to be updated on all that and thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode on the right note and we'll catch you guys next time with another special guest so stay tuned Thank you.